Amen, amen, amen. I have not learned the wisdom to not give it all I've got on leading worship on the days that I preach. I haven't learned that yet, but I probably won't. You may say, Alan, why do you go that hard? Why does the band go so long? I've just determined to leave it all on the field every Sunday. I'm going to give it all I got. I'm not going to walk away saying, I wish I could have done that. I wish I would have said that. I'm going to step out. And even if I step out in error, I'm still at least taking the step out. Amen? If you've noticed uh, the last few weeks as you've come through the doors, there's a sign out there that says, we're taking it back. And I'm just, today I'm going to just stay in that vein. Pastor Lena was wise enough a couple Sundays ago. I began to sing during worship, and God just moves through me prophetically, as you all are well aware. I will just sing what I feel like is on the heart of God. And it was the wisdom of Pastor Lena to say, hey, there's something more we need to latch onto here. And so just as a pastoral team, we've decided that we are to keep this message before you, much like Moses and Joshua did before the people in the Israelites. Keep this message before you day and night. Let it not pass from you. Put it before your forehead. And so that's what we're doing. We're just going to keep on saying this until God says, move. That's what we have to do, right? When he says something, you stay still waiting for the next call to move. So the title of my message today is Rise, Renew, Resolute. Rise, Renew, Resolute. Pastor Lena probably loves that because it's alliteration and it's ours and I am her son. So I will go ahead and just own up to the fact that it's too probably to her liking. Rise, Renew, Resolute. See, we're on assignment to take it back. We're on an assignment to take it back. Well, what back? Well, back is anything that God has said in his word that you can have. And if you're not walking in the fullness thereof, then this word is for you. So you may be here today thinking, well, I've never had it in the first place. That's okay. What the promises in the word are still for you. Whether you've had them and lost them or never had them in the first place, the promises of God are for us all. It's for every believer. See, God desires us to walk in his fullness more than we ever do. See, he wants to see his people full, living to the fullest. See, that's what the word says. He comes to give us life and life to the full overflowing, abundant. There is no lack in the kingdom when it comes to the things that we need and he has for us. Never think that you're, you're troubling God by telling him what you need. He desires to fill every void in your heart. So it doesn't matter if you're a part of this church or if you're just visiting for the day. I've got news for you. This war cry is for you. Take it back. See, we've all lost things along the way. I would say just in the last three years, our lives have been impacted more greatly than it ever has in the previous years. Now, we've all had things occur. We've, we've been through pain. We've had trauma. There's been things that affected us. And see, I'm going to borrow a phrase that they coined a couple years ago, and it's the new normal. See, we've just ex accepted our losses as our new normal. Just my new normal. See, that phrase was strategic in the fact that it helped people to adapt and adjust to almost everything in their lives being turned upside down. See, it conditions you to accept a new way. Now, I'm not bashing that. What I'm saying is that I, I understand its purpose, but we've adapted this motto in our lives. We let the enemy steal from us, and we just simply say, it's my new normal. Now, we don't say it, but we think it, we live it. 
We speak it. We dwell on it. We inhabitate it. Come on. It's just our new normal. We lost our peace. New normal. I lost my joy. New normal. I lost my hope. I lost my love. I lost my passion. New normal. Lost my desire to follow him. Lost my desire to see my life transformed. I prayed for someone. They didn't, they didn't recover. I prayed for someone's eyes and they weren't open. I prayed for a deaf ears and they weren't opened. It's just my new normal. It's not your new normal. God has called you to a higher and greater place than what you could ever think possible. You cannot fathom the depths of the places he wants you to tread upon. You have just begun to scratch the surface of the things he has for you. But the devil has convinced you it's your new normal. Not to see the promises of God. Not to see the fulfillment of God. Not to see the gifts of God. Not to see the Spirit of God flow in you. Not to demonstrate the power and the wonder of God. Not to walk in His miracles. Not to walk in divine healing. See, that's just our adaptive new normal. So where in your life have you let go? What have you allowed the enemy to take or decided to let go of? See, he doesn't always pry it from our hands. Sometimes we just let it go. Too much work. Too hard. I have to change my ways? Are you kidding me, God? See, don't let your standards be the enemy's standards. But let's let our standards be his standards. His way, not our way. So where in your life has the new normal crept in? Where? Has it crept in? So you need to take inventory of your life. That's what I'm doing. It's a, it's a process we've started. Now, when will it end? I don't know. When God says we've made it. But until then, I just take another step. I just follow what he says. He says, take it back. Okay. I put that in my mind. Take it back. Okay. Now I'm going to start. What I'm challenging you to do, and I probably, I wish I, I thought about it. I should have brought a piece of paper with me today or had you take a piece of paper. We all have phones. Think about it. What has the enemy taken from you that you want back? Is it a relationship? Is it love for him? Is it love for others? Is it to reach out to, to the lost again? Is it, to, is it to preach? Is it to prophesy? Is it to pray for the sick? Is it to do anything? My question is, what has he taken from you or what have you let go? Is it a dream? that just became too weary that you just let it go. Don't give up, to quote the great pastor in the front row. Never give up. Plug for the book. Buy the book. It's in the front. There's a sign-up sheet. I don't have any merchandise to sell yet. No, I'm just kidding. I kid. See, so what's your new normal? See, we need to flip the script and make it be his normal. See, I want to call to mind a story that's going to be very familiar to you. But at this point, I think we need to heed the, the story and the, and the words. And, and it's going to be about Joshua and, and when God led him and his people into the promised land. See, and for us, I'm going to equate the promised land to anything that God has promised you, but you aren't living in the fullness of your inheritance. See, God has given us promises but not as some distant thing like, I hope I can make it there. I hope I'm good enough one day. I hope I can reach there. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll get to inherit the promises. No, no, no. See, the kingdom of heaven is within us now. 
See, the moment you accept Christ, the kingdom of heaven is within your spirit, and you are called to administer his kingdom where you go. And it should be exhibited in your life. That's what Luke 17, 21 says. His kingdom is on the inside of us. Maybe like the Israelites, you feel like you've been just wandering out in the desert for an increasingly painfully long time. Or maybe you've camped just near the promise. See, the devil is very content with you getting to the edge. Just don't cross over. See, if you cross over, he's in trouble. See, the, the point of the kingdom is to decimate the kingdom of darkness by, by, by releasing the kingdom of light. Are you with me? See, the kingdom of light is within us, and where we go, the kingdom of darkness should tremble in fear. But usually we tremble in fear because we don't have enough of the kingdom of light within us. Or we lack the confidence that he does. Because the truth is, the king is within us always. At all times. I don't have to beg for him to come. I don't have to plead for him to come. The kingdom is within us. And we are to administer his kingdom wherever we go. Just don't step into the promise. That's what the enemy says. You're good. You've done enough. You love, you love enough. You care enough. You pray enough. That's enough. You're, you're good. I was in the enough category for many years of my life. I would say that once I started attending here, I have never felt comfortable in my life. There's, I swear, everything that I, that I found dear to me, I found God didn't really like. And he had other plans for me. And so I thought I was just going to attend this church, be, be quiet in the back, love people. Hello, good to see you. Go back home. But God had other plans. See, I was content to just be the quiet person, but God has confronted me at every angle. See, I had gotten used to who I thought I was, but God said, that's not you. And I had to decide if I was right or he was right. Now, I will tell you, Alina encouraged me that he was right. A few times I thought I was right, but I decided to give in to his way. See, it's about what he desires in us. See, and when God said to Joshua, it's time to take possession, see, his plan was for the whole group. Not just Joshua, not even just a handful, but he desired for the nation to be blessed. See, I truly believe that this message of taking it back is for not just a few, but for many all, all of us together walking this out. I don't think God is going to be content with just a few people getting breakthrough. He desires the whole of us to walk in the whole of him. Amen? See, I can't possibly know all that the enemy has stolen from me. There is no way, but you know. You know. You know. Some people will never know, but you know and God knows. And I'm saying write it down so that you see it. See, writing it down will, will trigger something in you because it's been in our minds so long we've just become accustomed to that's how we deal with it, that's just my nature, and, and those are just pretty ways of saying that's, I'm not going to deal with that, God. I'm going to continue to be the same way I want to be, and God is pointing out, no, 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 it's time to take it back. So that's our cry. That's our anthem. We are taking it back. See, it's time to declare 
over your life, I'm taking it back. Come on, can we just say, taking it back. Now, I hate when people do that. If I was in the audience, I'd be like, taking it back. But when I'm up here, I have the control in the mic. It's a funny thing. I find myself doing what I normally wouldn't do. Okay, I'm going to move on. I write, I write. I can feel the tension in the air. So I just want to declare over you. And for you to declare in your life, I'm taking it back. Take a, make, make a list. Write those things down. The Bible says, make the, when it talks about a vision, it says write those things down. Make it plain. It's the same for the things that God wants to conquer in your life and have you be an overcomer. So we're at rise. Rise. I'm going to need some people to rise in this room. Physically is fine. Rise. So let's look at what Joshua, sorry, what God said to Joshua. Joshua 1, 1 says this. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Ba-dum-bum. Moses, my servant is dead. So now arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Now, something tells me that Joshua wasn't as nearly as excited about hearing those words as we like to think he was. See, we have this, this vision, this picture, that every word people get in, in Scripture, and, and when it's their time, they're like, yes, God, I have waited for that word. But I know from my own life, when I hear that word, I think, oh, no, not me. No, 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 no. We had a worship leader back, back in the day. Well, I'm, I'm going old school. I'm just going to date myself. Uh, back around 97, 98, I'd first come to this church. Um, back then it was called the Shepherd's Church. People still, even though we switched to name, people couldn't spell the Shepherd's Church. Now we're the epicenter, and people still can't spell the epicenter. I'm like, it's one word. You ever heard of an earthquake? It's the center of it. But epicenter, okay, I'll just deal with that and move on. It's our cross to bear. We are still having people misspell it. Anyway, now I've lost where I was. <laughs> we're at rising. That's where we're at. Yes, thank you. This is not a comedy routine, Alan. Move along. So I moved here in 97. Um, I had just been uh, attending the church maybe a week, maybe two weeks. I don't know. It could have been a couple months. And our uh, worship leader at the time was very wild and charismatic. And, like, he would, he would sing prophetically. And he would just render the heavens, like, the heavens would come down. And so I just remember one day that he was, I was up at the front at an altar call. And he was praying over me. And he just began to say, I see you doing the same things I do. You will prophesy, you will lead, you will prophesy. And in my heart, I said, that will never be me. Well, who's laughing now? Because it ain't me. I'm still bitter about it. No, you just don't see, your, you only can see yourself. It's exactly what John said a couple weeks ago. Everything in our lives that we do, our attitudes, our thoughts, our behavior is in a filter. We filter everything by what we've experienced. He said to change the filter, and we need to change the filter. But there's a way we can do that. And so here Joshua is receiving this word. You've got to understand 40 years 40 years they've been in this place, dwelling in this same area. And now God says it's time to move. He says, now arise. See, it's not difficult for me to believe that they had really settled in their ways there. That's where I wash my clothes. That's where I hang them to dry. That's where we eat. And all of a sudden, God is saying, so now arise. See, it's not difficult to believe they had pretty much settled at this point, but that is the point. God didn't call them to be settlers. He called them to be conquerors and overcomers. Have you settled? 
have you settled? What have you settled for when God has called you to be more than a conqueror? He's called you to cross over into the promises that he has for you. See, he called them to possess the promise. To dwell in a place that flows with milk and honey. Not settle in a place of barrenness and bitterness in the wilderness. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, I don't know if, if you're like me, but those aren't the first words I'd want to hear God say to me when he's about to call me into my, my calling. I think everyone knew Moses was dead. I mean, if I, I wouldn't say that. If, if I, had just been, I wouldn't say, hey, Moses, my servant is dead. But see, God knows exactly what to say and when to say it, and he knows who he's talking to. He's telling Joshua, there's no going backwards. Don't look back, only move forward. Moses served a purpose, now I'm moving in a new direction. It's a new season. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. So he was saying, Joshua, don't dwell on the past. Leave it there, but look forward and march with me. There were promises they were to attain. And you're not going to move into your promises by dwelling on your past. Your past will always pull you back instead of your promises pulling you to the future. Don't reflect on what was, what could have been, what should have been. Wipe that all away. Clear this spot. See, that's what he told the Israelites as they're camping. Prepare, it's time to move. He was telling them, Time to gather your things. Clear the area we're moving out. So the instruction of the Lord came first. You can't possess what he hasn't promised you. But what he has promised you, it is in your legal jurisdiction to conquer it. What he's told you, you can possess, you have legal right to. What he didn't tell you you couldn't possess, you don't have a legal authority to take. And some people want to take what's not theirs. See, for us, we too, we've received our instructions. Take it back. See, those are our marching orders. But there are some additional steps we've got to make just mentally so that we can get ready for what's next. See, he told Joshua, arise, cross. Notice the order, arise, cross. See, but in order to cross into taking back, we must first arise. See, when something rises, it moves from one position, a lower position, to a different position, a higher position. See, you've got to change your attitude about what was taken from you. You've got to change your position on what has been stolen from you. You've got to change your thoughts on what he has taken away. You can no longer just think, that's my new normal, but you have to position in your heart that that is not okay. It's not okay. So you've got to declare something on the inside of you, the spirit within, within you, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead must rise on the inside of you in order for you to stand up, not take the bull from the enemy anymore, and take some authority and step over. Well, that's a lot of work. Yep. Well, that's going to be hard. Yep. Well, I'm not going to like it. Yep. Yes and yes and yes. You could like it if you would just stop resisting, fighting, whining, murmuring, backbiting, complaining. Where have I heard that before? But no, we think we know better. I'm spiritual. God spoke to me, and I'm disobeying. 
That's, that's the order. God spoke to me. I heard the word. We disobey. Every time. See, we've got to say, this is not okay. And I'm going to stand for something else. I'm no longer going to stay at the low position. I'm moving to a higher position. His position. His place. His order, not mine. So in order to take it back, we're going to have to rise in courage. Courage. You're going to need courage in order to take it back. Joshua 1, 9. Have I not commanded you? See, I, I, what's interesting to me is that have I not commanded you is a question. It's not an exclamation point. He's not driving it home. He's not even saying it in a, in a really authoritative voice to me. To me, it's have I not commanded you? Meaning, you didn't start this? Am I not the one that did? So why are you thinking that you have to do something in your own strength when I'm the one that already commanded you? You didn't start this. You didn't make this up. You didn't think, hmm, I'm going to take the Israelites. We're going to cross over. He says, no, 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 I did this. See, what he starts, he will finish. But what you start, you've got to finish. And good luck with that. But we try. We try, we try, we try. Rise in courage. Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you? So he's saying, I started this. Don't worry about it. Don't fret. Don't, I've got this. You, you don't, you're not, this is not you. This is not your own strength. Have I not commanded you? It's done. I was there before you even, just like the scripture says, he goes before us. He goes behind us. He's beside us. He's already gone ahead of you and made the way. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified nor dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, be strong and of good courage. Now, this wasn't a fitness test, guys. Not a fitness test. He wasn't asking, how much weight can you lift? Well, if you want to ask, I'll tell you. But <laughs> Well, yesterday I deadlifted. Now I'll move on. See, this wasn't a fitness test. No one was there bench pressing. No one was doing barbell squats. Like It was not a question of, can you hold this weight? It was a question of, can you handle what I'm about to ask you to do? See, strong is an internal fortitude that enables you to hold a certain position. See, it represents what one can carry or what weight they can hold. See, but being strong alone isn't enough to conquer or advance. See, being strong allows you to stand, but courage moves you forward. See, courage is the forward momentum. See, courage, when you think about it, requires movement. Courage is the only thing that will move you from your locked position. See, I can have all the strength, but without courage, I remain paralyzed. See, strength to me is the ability to defend, while courage is the ability to advance. I'll say it like this, strong, you can fill yourself with the word and with all knowledge. You can, you can know it all, but courage is you actually putting into application and practice those things you've learned. See, courage is strength in action. I'm going to ask you a question. Did you know that the leading cause of fear is being afraid? The leading cause of fear is being afraid. All right, all right. Comic break. Get you guys to loosen up. See, he says, do not be terrified. Terrified to cause terror. Terrified is to be struck with fear. It causes one to tremble. See, this kind of fear is a harassing fear. 
It taunts you kind of fear. It's always after you, telling you what you can't do, what you won't achieve. It tells you you're not good enough. It's lingering. It's just longing to continue to beat you down. See, that's the kind of terror described here. He says, don't be terrified or dismayed. Dismayed means to be completely shattered. See, if something is shattered, it's basically rendered useless. If I have a coffee cup and it breaks on the ground, it's no longer fit for its use that it was made for. See, fear is always anxious about the future. Faith anticipates the future. See, fear is afraid of the future. Oh, no, what might happen? Oh, what might happen the next time? Oh, but what if this happens? And faith hopes toward the future because its outcome is based in God and not in my ways. See, courage can look like a lot of things, but true courage is believing what God has said in spite of the circumstances and the challenges you face. So I have news for you. You will be challenged in your comfort. Challenged in your comfort. See, even though the Israelites wanted their freedom, their admiration for how things used to be, well, back in Egypt, I had steak. Back in Egypt, we had a, a, a goat or a lamb or two, and it was pretty, pretty tasty. But, see, they wanted their freedom on one hand, but their admiration kept pulling them back to the old ways. See, everything was great until it wasn't. At the first sign that things wouldn't be the same as they used to be, there indeed was a problem. Houston, we got a problem. Look, I'll admit, I never enjoyed the process of, of God working things in you. Now, I should have, but when you're stubborn and you want to do it your way, now, I'm quick to learn because I realize that I'm, I'm dumb and, and he knows what, what's best for me, so I'm just willing to obey him. It might, make, it might take me a thought or two to process it, but I will, I will quickly adjust. But see, he wants you to move from your place of comfort. See, there's comfort in captivity, whether you believe it or not. At least I'm comfortable. It's the way it's always been. I'm very, I'm cozy at this spot. See, I may not be, I may not be doing what God has called me to do. I may not be preaching. I may not be prophesying. I may not be laying hands on the sick, but I'm comfortable here. I'm comfortable. You do that. You do that. See, for me, I was always the biggest champion for everyone else. But for me, I just thought... Not for me. You can do that. You want to lay hands on the sick? Go ahead. Go for it. Prophesy, that's you, bud, all day. I, I just, I had, it wasn't, I just thought it's not for me. But that's because I had told myself it wasn't for me. Or the enemy actually had planted that thought, and then I just kept agreeing with it. See, once he says a thing, he's done, because we just start recycling, recycling it, recycling it, and meditating and meditating and meditating. You're not worth it. You can't do this. You can't prophesy. You're not gifted. You're not talented. You're not as cool as that person. You're not as cool as that person. You don't preach like that person. You don't prophesy like that person. And guess what I've come to, 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 to realize? I'm thankful that I don't prophesy like anybody else. I'm thankful that I don't lead worship like anybody else. I'm thankful that I'm my own man. When I began to pray, I thought, God, I don't want to be a Stephen Furtick. I don't want to be a, a Bill Johnson. I just want to be Alan Clark. That's who I want to be. I want to be who you've created me to be. I don't care what other people do. I don't care how they, they, may they may be flashy. They may yell. And, Lord, I know there are things you want to work in me, but I just want to be me. Not a carbon copy of the most recent fad. So you'll be challenged in your comfort. 
We must be pushed outside of our comfort zone. You will never conquer. You will never overcome. You will never cross over if you remain in comfort. It's just true. Don't fight me on this. It's true, I'm telling you. When you're confronted with what you've been keeping, thinking it's yours, thinking it's precious, thinking that even God said it, you are comfortable in holding that thing. And when he says, I'm going to ask you to let that go, we become an infant and screams, mine! We don't want to let it go. We're a toddler in two seconds. So you're going to be challenged in your comfort in order to take it back. Now, I am not devil-focused, but I'm not ignorant. Okay? The devil will challenge you when you come to take things back. I'm not focusing on the enemy because I know that, that the war has already been fought for me and that he is victorious, but I'm telling you, you've got to change the way you think about it in order to retake it. So let your comfort be challenged. See, everything outside of the Egypt, of the land, of the territory they had grown up in was out of their comfort zone. God calls us out of our comfort zone. And I have lived there for 20-something years now. I remember back in the, when, we, when I first began to allow God to uh, break me down, I just, be, I just thought, man, Lord, can I just get a break? And it was like, no. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. <laughs> See, you've got to be comfortable being uncomfortable. There's someone, there's an uh, American Ninja Warrior I follow on Instagram, and that's his saying, I had to get used to being comfortable with being uncomfortable. I think that's the motto of my life. I've had to become comfortable with being uncomfortable. Do you think it's uncomfort- that it's comfortable for me to be up in front of you? Let me just tell you, it's not. I remember back in college, I was terrified to get up in front of people and talk, and thank God he has worked me through that process and I am on the other side of it and still advancing forward. But if, if someone would have told me, I love how people want to know from A to Z what your life is going to be like, how it's going to look. And if I would have known then what I know now, I would have probably ran out the door screaming because I would be like, that's not me. That's impossible. But God. Amen. I said, but God. Not me, but God. Amen. All right. Renew. So in order for us to take back or to take anything, or to take possession, you've got to renew. Well, what do I renew? I've got to renew my mind. So you've got to change your mind about that situation. You have to change your mind about how you think about that. You've got to change your response about that. You've got to change your behavior if that's what's going on. See, I've got to renew my mind. Joshua 1.11 says this, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves for within three days you are going to cross this Jordan to take to go in and take possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess prepare if you look at that word prepare in Hebrew it means to be firm be set up established fixed see there's a mental aspect of the word prepare see when someone prepares to move see it takes a whole lot more thought to plan out the move than the actual move. So you have to think about what's coming up. What do I need to turn off? What do I need to pack? What do I need? There's a many, many things, and there's always stages and phases that you walk through when it comes to moving a, 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 with a house. And so that word really means it allows you to create some space where you prepare mentally that it's time to move on. See, and that's where we're at. 
We've got to prepare ourselves. We've got to pick up the things that, that, that he wants us to pick up, let go of the things he wants us to let go of, but prepare in our, our minds and in our hearts that it's time to move ahead. See, you've got to prepare mentally. Mentally means I'm, I'm committing to the fact that things are about to change. I'm committing to the fact that I'm not going to settle here, but I'm going to move to where you tell me to go. Isaiah 40, 31 says this, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not faint. See, what's interesting to me, though, is we even said it during service. We talked about waiting on the Lord. See, but waiting on the Lord isn't a passive waiting it's an active waiting. What do I mean? See, this kind of waiting doesn't mean I get to sit in my favorite comfy chair and order Starbucks delivered to my, my place or someone to bring me coffee. See, this is not that. See, the word here actually comes from what it means is, is that if you had something and you started to twist it, you started to bind it, there's going to be a tension created where you start to bind and twist. See, this is the kind of waiting that comes with tension. You anticipate his arrival. So you don't just sit back and think, I don't have to do anything. No, you're waiting for, is that him? Is that him? Is that at the door? Is that him? Is that the, did I hear, did I hear a car pull up? Did I hear the, did I hear the engine turn off? Did I hear the seatbelt unclick? Did I hear John's worship music from down the street? Yes, I did. Did I, did, did, did I hear the music playing? Is it shutting off now? Is he about to get out of the car? Is he coming up to the door? See, we are anticipating his arrival. We shall wait on the Lord. See, we eagerly await for his command. We eagerly await for the next step. And we just, we, there's something on the inside of us that has to rise up and say, yes, God, I am not happy with where I am at. I want your ways, not my ways. And he says, okay, it's time to stand up and get a different aspect for what you have been through because I'm moving you to a newer, better place. But we've got to renew our mind. You've got to change the way you think about that. You've got to change the way you think about what the enemy has stolen from you or what you've let go. Romans 12, 2, it's one of my favorite verses, says this. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Renew. That word there, renew. Have you ever gone through a renovation in your house? Anybody did any updating in your homes? Okay, that's what that word means. It means you totally go in, tear out all the, like, there is never a renovation that doesn't involve demolition. Yet we like to paint everything around it and pretend that it's new when God has said, no, I told you to remove the old stuff. But we want to put lipstick on a pig. I would just go to an old reference. I don't know where that came from. Get away from me, devil. Don't put, no, I'm just kidding. But that's what we want to do. We want to keep our stuff and just add God's stuff with it. This looks pretty. And we, and, 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 I, and we have people who walk in and like, oh, sh I want to show you my new home. And they're like, bro, what's up with the shag carpet and the, the green avocado countertop? Isn't that beautiful? No, no, don't look at that. But look, look at the new stuff. Bro, I can't. Look at the ugly stuff. Wait, bro, get that stuff out of here. See, we want, the co we want it to coexist. God does not coexist with your stuff. He says, I want it out. So you've got to demolition that thing. You've got to tear it down. You've got to start over. You've got to, you've got to start the clean slate and bring in what he says to bring in and take out what he says to take out. See, that's the kind of renewing that the New Testament talks about. Remove old thoughts, old ways, old habits, and replace them with what his word says about you. 
See, if you want to take it back, you're going to have to replace those thoughts with his thoughts. Be transformed. See, inheritance comes from promise. Possession comes from obedience. Inheritance comes from promise, but possession comes from obedience. So I've come to the word resolute. I'm almost wrapping up here. We must be resolute, but resolute to obey. Joshua 1.7 says this, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it from the left or to the right, so that you may achieve success wherever you go. What does success look like? What does courage look like? What does strength look like? It's being careful to do according to all that he tells us to do. See, your success is measured in your obedience. The true definition of strong and courageous is when we walk in obedience. See, the world calls it something else. You're so brave for that. You're so brave. Whatever. I will not go on that tangent. True courage, the true definition of strong and courageous is when we walk in obedience. Last scripture we're going to hear, John 21 and 5. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Before I move on, there is so much in this scripture that I hope to, to, to tear apart one day and to, to, to give to you. But for now, it's another time. I'm just a little, little, little sideline. Okay. John 2, 1 through 5. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, What business do you have with me, woman? My hour has not yet come. Verse 5. Here is the crux of it all. Here is everything you need to know. You've probably read ahead of me, and I'm I'm, I'm a little upset about that. (laughs) I wanted to sneak attack that on you. Verse 5. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he tells you, do it. That is is the cry of our hearts. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. Come on, do you hear those words today? This is how we take back what the enemy has taken from us or what we have allowed to slip away. Whatever he says to you, do it. Stand with me. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us revival in Fort Bend County as an inheritance. You have given us a healing revival in Fort Bend County as our inheritance. You said we would be a mission-sending church as our inheritance. You said that we would be a healing center. You said that we would be a mission center. You said that we would be a, a transforming center. God, I thank you, Lord, that we have an inheritance corporately and individually, and we want to possess every promise you have for us. And so, God, we change our minds regarding who we think we are, who we think you are. God, we change our minds, and we say that we are not satisfied with the results that we have achieved so far, God. We are not going to continue to do this in our strength, but God, we now will obey your voice, God.
we shall walk in true courage and in true strength, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you'll begin to break things off of people, old habits, old mentalities, old thoughts. I thank you, Lord, that the devil is truly under our feet. Lord, I thank you that it's not a difficult thing for you to do. And I thank you, Lord, as we walk into the promises that you've called us to, we will celebrate every victory in our life. Lord, you will give us the war plan. We will follow your voice. And every victory, whether we conquer mighty cities or small cities, God, we will celebrate every victory that you bring us into. Lord, we shall be a people that celebrate your victories, large or small. We will celebrate every victory, large or small. Come on, we will celebrate every victory, large or small, because you are the one that fulfills every promise, God. We simply walk in obedience, God. And so, God, we now wait for the instructions of what's next. We say, your servants, we are listening, and we thank you, Lord, that we desire whatever you say to do we will follow. We love you, Lord. God, I thank you for just the, 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 the coming testimonies of breakthrough, of victories, and we will celebrate with each and every one of you. I can't wait till someone runs up to me and says, I've been struggling with this for so long. I've thought this way about me for so long, but I am now free of that. I am now free of that. I've possessed what God had for me. Come on, can we just agree together that we will allow people to celebrate? We'll celebrate with them. Lord, we thank you, God, for all that you're doing, and the people shout Amen.